0: iTunes presents Meet the Filmmaker at the Apple Store. Ladies and gentlemen, good evening and welcome to tonight's Meet the Filmmaker event. Tonight we're pleased to host director Derek Martini and his co-writing brother Stephen Martini, along with cast members Rory Culkin, Emma Roberts, and Jill Hennessy, who are here to discuss their new film, Limelife. Limelife is a tender, funny, and oftentimes heartbreaking story seen through the eyes of 15-year-old Scott Bartlett. While Scott is innocently facing the pressures of adolescence and the heartache of first love, the adults he is surrounded by are suffering amidst tangled relationships, real estate problems, and Lyme disease. Before we introduce tonight's special guests, please enjoy the trailer for this film.
1: It's the American dream right here on Long Island. We've had a lot of interest, but uh, as they say, no cigar. Happy birthday. Oh my god. Looks like the Millennium Falcon. There's still time to, I don't know, maybe uh, take the edge off? You meant
0: Millennium Falcon in a good way. Yeah, definitely.
1: Charlie is not the guy that I married. I mean, a, a bus, a robbery, an accident, but Lyme disease? Divorced and separated parents let their kids get away with murder. Because the kids wind up with drugs, God knows what else. I'm out
2: of my house 18 hours and 45 minutes,
1: and you're Dr. Ruth now? She's a sex therapist, man, and I saw it on Donahue. It is true. <laughs> Adriana Bragg, 15, now the 11th grade.
3: Do you think I'm a tramp? No. Well, I'm not, OK? I'm not like my mother. I know that. Oh, so you think my mom's a tramp? It was weird seeing you get your ass kicked. <laughs> are, are you okay? You can call your mom if you want. She can bring you an you or something. felt like you were like my uh, my little brother.
0: Really? Your brother. Does it hurt? Oh! I'm sorry about that.
1: Oh! <laughs> Why are you even warning yourself with uh, my problems with your father? What well, kind of my problems, too. But I break my ass for this lamb! Oh, oh, you think spend more time with your fig tree! Hey, my mother died big fig tree! She told me not to marry Irish! Welcome to our wonderful little family
0: and our perfect little suburban life. Have you ever thought of me as more than just like a brother?
1: I said, look, Herb. What did I tell
0: you about this world? You're either chasing something or you're running away from something me I chase.
3: One a girl's wearing mistletoe in
1: her hair, pretty much means one thing.
0: Maybe you should have had a girl. They tell their mothers everything.
1: Well, maybe you should have asked God for a mother who doesn't care about her children. I've already
2: lost one kid because of my problems with your mother. I don't want to lose the other. I would wrap you in the heaven. This tiny little bug, no bigger than a pimple, would
1: change your life. I never knew I could hate anybody as much as I hate you, Charlie.
3: Do you really think we should talk about it?
2: I'm asking you a question, soldier. Answer
0: me. But you know what they say. Hit a guy like this. this time, please join me in welcoming tonight's special guests, Derek and Stephen Martini, Rory Culkin, Emma Roberts, and Jill Hennessy. Moderating tonight's special event is guest moderator Kurt Loder.
2: Thank you all for being here. Build a little more buzz for this movie, which is really remarkable. It's a small indie film that shows how much can be done. With very little besides a lot of talent, much of it up here. Uh, Derek, this is your first film, and yet Martin Scorsese is on board. You have this great cast. How did you pull this all together?
4: Um, Well, you know, it's not easy, Um, but uh, when you work really hard and you know pursue the right actors um, and the material, they. Can relate to or they, they, they gravitate towards it and they 're excited about it you know y- you can make you can make it happen, you can make it work it's uh, you know these guys you know no one really got paid. the movie was we <laughs> shot it in uh, yeah great and really um, we shot it in twenty two days and uh, for a, a million, million and a half dollars and um, you know i 'm really proud of them, and i 'm just uh, proud of the fact that you know they, they stuck with the project and uh, uh, you know, I mean, it, it's my, the most, the, the thing that I'm most proud of are the performances in the
2: picture, yeah. by far. Yeah. Joe, was this the first you had heard of Derek, or had you just read the script and said, I'm there?
1: I'd, uh, well, I've been hearing about the script actually from my agents, and they said, look, it's one of the best things we've seen, check it out. And, uh, you know, sure enough, I read it, and uh, it was, uh, one of the most realistic and disturbing things I had ever come across and uh, it rang is very true um, and it, it seemed to be coming from the heart which I, I really love and it took a lot of guts to write this I would presume yeah. so uh, yeah I, I basically told my agent look a- anything please tell these people don't need money or literally anything, don't need money I will provide craft service <laughs> I will give people massages she's uh, great yeah. Okay. great cook the, the cast is really okay. in tune it's it an ex-
2: extraordinary film uh, Rory you and Emma met for the first time doing this film or did you have to spend a lot of prep getting in in sync
0: um, well we only it was a 22 day shoot and like three days rehearsal time so we kind of decided to jump into it um, but you know we're all easy to get along with so it was a no problem
2: Yeah. You're, a, did you love the script the first time you saw it or were you a, a little scared of it? I mean, it's a change from Nancy Drew.
3: Um, no, I, I really liked it. I was looking to do something different, and when I read it, I just thought it was an amazing script, and there are great people attached to it, yeah. and I met Derek, and I, I really got along well with him, so I just it was something I knew I wanted to do.
2: Can we show, show this, uh, let me see, clip number two? Someone's in charge of it. Yes, there he is, which is a remarkable scene from the movie, I think. Coming up, I hope.
0: Well, couldn't exactly be choosy.
3: <laughs> you never drank, have you? Oh, well, yeah. We're in a confessional, Scott. You can't just blatantly lie. You have to tell me the truth, no matter what I ask you. Ask me something.
0: Um, have you ever thought of me as more than just like a brother?
3: Okay, enough truth. Let's play dare. It'll be more fun.
0: Dare isn't part of a confession.
3: Well, neither is drinking. Fine, I'll dare you something first. I dare you. I dare you to close your eyes. Come to me.
0: When I am.
3: Okay. Oh.
0: What do you think? Nice. I said,
3: look, Herv.
2: <laughs> so sweet. <Did> they... <laughs> There's a, also, uh, Rory, your brother is in this. Was that envisioned from the start? You mean know, Rory will get Kieran, too? Or...
4: Um, you know, the m- most important thing is I wanted great actors. Yeah. It's the most important thing. Great actors. Um, I uh, had worked with Kieran before, um, and uh, I sent Rory the script a long time ago. And, um, you know, it, it's, 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 a, it's a coup and it's a boon to have both of them. But, you know, the, the most important thing is that they're, they're great actors. And um, what, we, what I found was really exciting um, was the, the truthful uh, interaction that they had that wasn't on the page. And I don't know if you can recreate that uh, necessarily with actors who aren't brothers. There have been plenty of movies where you have uh, brothers that are actors that, that work work very well. Was yeah. um, there a lot of improvisation in this? Oh movie? yeah. I mean, I, I would, I would, you know, I mean, absolutely. Especially with Kieran and and, and Rory, when I would, uh, I would leave the camera rolling a lot uh, after the the scene was over. Yeah. And uh, I would just whisper things through the mic or whatever to to Kieran, just little ideas and. And you know, Kieran would run with it, and and you know, we kind of we kind of screwed with Rory a lot, I think. Uh.
2: In what way? Anything colorful that you can relate to? Uh. Um,
4: well, like you know, Rory wasn't expecting. Like you saw in the trailer when he, you know, when Kieran, he's you know, slaps him in the eye. Uh, we were up, we were on this uh, uh, process trailer. You know, they dragged the. You know, so I'm not yeah. in the car with them. I had a little radio um, under Kieran's seat, and. Um, we just, I just kept it rolling and uh, I said I, I had Kieran, I'd like whispered into the mic to Kieran, I said, just you know f- fuck with him. Just like that. And then, uh, you know, then, all, then Kieran just ran with it and then it was like you know, how's the eye? Bang! You know? And then Rory was totally shocked. He didn't know it was coming and then bang again! You know? It's just <laughs> things like that, that, that. Those little gems are, are all over the, the movie in the scenes with the brothers and, and also in the other scenes as well we would
2: do a lot of improv. Yeah. Did you, did you, uh, have you worked with your brother before, professionally?
0: Uh, professionally, um, uh, well, I mean, I'd played younger versions of him, we've never been on, on camera together, so. How was it? It was fun, I mean, I didn't, I didn't know what to expect, because I know him so well, so, uh, but you know, he's, he's, he's very professional when he has to be, so. Yeah.
2: <laughs> okay. The, uh, the uh, you you, uh, you directed, but you wrote the script with your brother Stephen. And you did the music? You did the score?
5: Uh, yeah, I did. While, uh, while I was editing the movie, while we were shooting, uh, it was a really quick shoot. So while, the, while I was putting the footage together, the music just started to naturally seem yeah. to come out.
2: Because so the songs in the, in the movie are not cliche 70s songs. Did you devote a lot of thought to that?
4: Yeah, definitely. I'm really rigid about the, the source songs or the songs that are playing on the radio because... I wanted it to feel timeless. Yeah. I didn't want to, you know, make it like that '70s show where, you know, every song has to be on the money, 1979. Right. You know, I I used, uh, you know, I used a lot of stuff from the '60s. I used a lot of stuff. I used two Sinatra tunes, um, and then of course the some classic '70s songs, which are, which are great. Uh, we got Daniel in, in the film, we got uh, more than a feeling in the film, um, and uh, uh, I think the the walking down the line was that was that the '70s? No, that was the '60s, right? Yeah. Well, the bootleg version is just recent, but I don't know when he. I think that was more '60s. Um, But yeah, no. The whole movie was the idea was yes, we are in a time period, but and it is a backdrop for this picture. But more importantly, the 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 characters. This is is a movie about the people, not about the period. The period plays a part. We've sold the period very well in the picture, and um, but it's it's about the
2: people, so that was very important to me to keep it timeless. Had you, uh, Jilla, do you worked with uh, Alec Baldwin before? Did you know him?
1: Yeah, I, I worked with Alec For on a... chemistry. I chemistry. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's easy to have chemistry with Alec, though, you know, because he's just one of those really incredibly unnaturally charismatic human beings. Um, but I, I did something called the Nuremberg Trials, uh, which was a mini-series on TNT, so substantially more disturbing historical subject matter. Um, but again, one of the funniest people you'll ever meet, mm-hmm. and uh, he likes to be shocked. And, and the great thing about Derek too on set is that he would give us so much leeway to just play around and, and you know do things. Coming like, say, so. okay, keep rolling, just just try, just keep going, just tell him what you hate about him, Jill. Just go ahead, and uh, and then I had to slap him in, in one scene. And uh,
2: I'm sorry that Alex's not here, but can we yeah. roll clip four, which I believe he's in.
0: You weren't talking to me.
3: I'm on the fence.
0: Well, if it means anything, technically, I'm a man, as of today. So Please,
3: a man. I heard you're still a bald eagle. You know? No pubes.
0: Who said
2: that?
3: Me. I just made it up and told anybody who'd listen.
2: <laughs> now we'll try it. Here we go. Alec and Jill.
1: I gotta tell you, it's getting awfully lonely over there. And I thought maybe tonight, because it's a special occasion, I could, you know. Mickey, he'll always be the father of my children, and I respect that. But if you want to spend the night, It's going to be on the couch. You got
2: that? I'll take it. There we go. Jill, by the way, has an album coming out soon. When is it coming out, Jill?
1: Um, It'll be, uh, boy, available, I guess, on iTunes and Amazon probably the end of May, beginning of June. Title? So uh, It's called Ghost in My Head. Thank you, Kurt, (laughs) for reminding me to say the title. (laughs) And, uh, Uh, you know, one of those things, it just
2: seems... Derek, Lyme disease, was this envisioned... I mean, is the whole thing built around Lyme disease? Well, Lyme Lyme disease
4: is a a metaphor for, uh, in this picture, for me. I mean, everybody has their own interpretation of, you know, obviously Timothy Hutton's character has Lyme disease in the picture. Um, But uh, for me, it was more of a metaphor, because it's a a corrosive disease um, that, when not treated... Um, will destroy you, essentially. And the relationship that Jill has with Alec in, in the picture and that Cynthia Nixon has with Tim, they're married in the picture, uh, they're both cor- corrosive relationships that aren't being treated. And for me, it was always a metaphor for that. There are some other things that have to do with Lyme disease, with Timothy's character, that I'm not going to... Uh, probably shouldn't talk about. or yeah, But it, it's, uh, it's really more of a metaphor... Than, uh, than
2: anything. The movie's not certainly not about Lyme disease. No, let's emphasize that. Yeah. You you two uh, take major steps forward, I think, in this movie. Did you feel that too? I mean, you especially. you feel like your career has just gone to another level?
3: Yeah, I mean, I had just finished shooting Hotel for Dogs, and then I went from <laughs> that to this, and they're just completely opposite uh, movies. And uh, I really feel like this one shows... Me in a much different light, and yeah. it's going to open up a new audience, which is cool. And it was also just a really great experience to um, be doing something a lot smaller and um, just completely different.
2: So it'll be all be edgy material from here on out, probably.
3: Um, yeah, I mean, I'm not so. limiting myself. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not limiting myself to anything, but um, definitely more mature things, probably.
2: Okay. Do we have any questions from the audience? Maybe not. Yes.
4: Um, we shot it on film, 35 millimeter and on anamorphic lenses, the the old anamorphic sc- cinemaScope lenses. Uh, we actually had an Aeroflex, we had an Arri body, but we had Panavision lenses because they, just Panavision just bought Arri at the time, and it was a very odd contraption because you have an Arri body and then you have a Panavision lens, so we had to make that work. Um, but next time, hopefully, we'll have a Panavision body and a Panavision lens.
2: Hope so. Uh, anyone else? Yes. Yes, sir.
4: So the question is, is there a reason I chose the 70s as a time? And yes, there is. It was a time uh, that, you know, in this part of the world, there are a lot of uh, the, the, the 60s and 70s were an interesting time because uh, men uh, that were lower middle class um, were able to because of certain economic booms like in this picture the the real estate boom to Long Island, people moving out from Queens and Brooklyn to the island created an, an industry where um, men lower middle class men were able to uh, jump ahead in life rather, rather quickly and, and achieve or have the, uh, the, 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 the chance to achieve their version of, of the American dream. And uh, that's why I chose that period because I did a lot of research on it, and um, it it all made sense to me, you know, because it really is, you know, Alex's character in this, you you know, he's not he's not he's pursuing the American dream, but he's supposed to do that because that's what we're taught to do, is to pursue the American dream, you know, and uh, he's he's earnestly pursuing the dream, but he's so focused on it that, you know, there are it's basically at what cost is is sort of the question that is asked.
2: The end of the the end of the movie is very ambiguous, I mean, was that foreseen when you started work on the script that it was going to be kind of inconclusive?
0: For me it
5: was, yeah, but uh, you know, Was uh, it a
2: surprise to everybody else?
5: Yeah, I think so. I think we 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 wanted it to kind of be like you wanted it, you, there was this underlying feeling that something was going to happen, but you weren't quite sure what it was. So, uh, you know, we just wanted to keep that going throughout the film. And then at the end, we wanted to leave it open to, you know, to interpretation, to leave the space there for people to maybe discuss it or, yeah. you know, and just kind of decide for themselves. I've seen this movie compared to Juno a lot. Is that depressing for you? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't see Juno. It's a great movie. I but saw but Juno.
4: <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, Juno is a cool movie. Oh, it's a great movie. Yeah. I mean, it, I, I don't see it. But that's like ordinary
2: like, people meets Juno just sounds no dire. I mean, it's great. It's all I mean. not bad.
4: Yeah, it's flattering. I mean, <laughs> yeah. ordinary people and, and Juno and yeah, you know, great. I mean, how did how
2: did Martin Scorsese see this movie? Was it a festival or uh, not? This
4: movie, uh, he saw not, another movie we did at, uh, that we wrote um, and acted in uh, and produced, which is our first thing ever. Um, and he saw that years ago and put his name on that because he liked it. Yeah. Um, and then when we were gonna do this after we wrote the script, our agent just sent it to him, and he it takes a while to read it. But once he read it, he, he called and said, "Well, I want to, you know, I want to produce this, and I want to be involved in this. However, I can help, you know." Um, and he's been a a, a tremendous su- supporter of 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 us, and um, you know, he looks at cuts, he looks at dailies, and he gives you notes. And I mean, it's Martin Scorsese. <laughs> it's like uh, who better to have? Yeah. You know, if you're going to take a note from somebody. Especially
5: for people who didn't go to film school. (laughs) Exactly. Well, you're theater people, right? Yeah.
2: Mm -hmm. yeah. Pretty much. Is it it better working with a theater guy than just a regular film school director?
1: Uh, You know what? Oh. Better working with a theater guy?
2: To get something different from a director whose main background is theater as opposed to somebody who's just from UCLA.
1: I've got to say, some of the best directors I work with have do have a really big theater background. Um, but it, one of the things I got from Derek on set is uh, just his, his courage to like take w- what was very personal to him, bring it to set, make sure everybody was totally comfortable with what they were doing, and then give give everybody even more room to uh. just play and see what the hell would really happen. And, and you see it on the screen, though. There's so many surprising moments uh, where I think we were even surprised on set by what was coming out, uh-huh. you know? And that, that's, I think, what makes the best cinema, to be honest. So.
2: Yeah, the scenes are very original. I mean, it's a, it's a movie that goes places you're really not expecting it to go. It's really worth seeing. Do you have any other questions out there? Yes. What inspired you to write the script? Um, my family. So, totally autobiographical, is that what you're saying?
4: Uh, yeah, it's it, it definitely family and, and people I knew growing up, and, and uh, you know. There wasn't any gunplay in the family or anything, was there? I think somebody came after my dad with the gun at one point, but I don't know that, uh, you know. Is
2: there somebody else over there? Yes. How long did it take to write the script? How long did it take to write the script?
4: It wasn't really that long. Once once we cracked the the uh, uh, the sort of nut of, well, we we had we had all the look this is a personal story so we had all these sort of anecdotal things right, and it wasn't really working you know it wasn't coming together right it was it was it just wasn't and then, I rewatched a a, a picture called the Four Hundred Blows which is an obscure French film wonderful film, and um, by Francois Truffaut and it it, it takes it's an adult story, which is uh, told from an innocent perspective from a boy's perspective and then once that clicked, for me it w- I mean I think then it was like a month and a half, Mm -hmm. you know, of just, oh, I get it, this is an adult story (laughs) from an innocent perspective. And then I watched To Kill a Mockingbird, which is, there's Mm -hmm. no comparison, but again, that's another picture where, you know, it's an adult story told from an innocent perspective. And uh, that just sort of lit us on fire, and we were, you know, we pretty much after trying to figure out how to make all these storylines work separately, and, and doing that sort of picture, we you know, really. Fo- once that came into focus, it was—it wasn't easy, but it was easier. Came in a rush. Yeah.
2: Are there? Yes. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm,
4: a I'm, I'm How do you? How do you get your inspiration? Yeah. Was it, what do what you inspire? What are they inspired by? Yeah.
1: yeah. By or, him, I would imagine. Right, right. <laughs> As you're looking. What are you acted inspired with by? With you, by, for God's sake, you act.
3: Jill, you like are no, you talking? No, hey, go for no. it, man.
1: If you're feeling, I don't, you know, if the muse um, is talking.
3: I think like a life experience, you can kind of, like if you read a script and you can relate to it, you can draw on that or... Um, <laughs>
1: can
2: uh, you ask me if I got drunk in a confessional? I think, is that what you course. said?
3: Yes. I, I didn't actually. Um, Maybe I should have for role research, but no, I did not. Uh. I don't mean literally, but I mean the way you're supposed to be feeling in one scene. I'm sure you can think of a time in your life when you felt that way. I don't know if that helps. Jill, Rory, no, one I, of you. I, say Well something. said. <laughs> no, I,
1: I think, it too, if, you just, if you're just honest with what you're saying, you just look at the words. You're obviously reading something aloud that somebody else has written. Um, and what's funny is sometimes if you just say, don't put any expectations on yourself, and you say it, You'll find something. Your your body will just respond, or your subconscious will to to what what you're saying. You'll you'll just get in tune with it, especially when it's good writing. That really kind of helps. But uh, the more honest you are, I think uh, the better it's going to be.
2: Rory, acting. What's it all about? <laughs> just jump in.
1: I, I got I got nothing. I'm sorry. That's a tough <laughs> one. I have no idea.
2: Are there other questions? Yes.
4: So the question is, did anything hit home with any
1: of the actors? Totally. i I've, well, I, I found the whole script very familiar in a lot of ways. Um, uh, what ways? And, and oh, let me tell you, <laughs> Kurt. Um, it, well, it's and and just yeah, reading the script too. It was, uh, I guess, what surprised me and what was very impressive was the fact that that these guys captured a lot of the the, the hilarity, but a lot of the the ugliness that happens in life particularly within a family uh, and the things we don't really want to acknowledge and things that we really regret um, or things that we're really afraid of and and you don't really see it dealt with that accurately in a lot of cinema and when it does it's it's you know so impactive Um, and I could totally relate to that I could relate to my character I could yeah, it's so funny. In some of these interviews, people are saying, "Wow, you taped up your kids in this film because you're afraid that they'd get Lyme disease." You know, boy, isn't that kind of crazy? I don't, Think about it. You know, I'm, I have two kids, and you know, you you care about them. You're afraid. You know, all these there are all these feelings that come up to the surface, and you know, you'll do something, and then two days later, you think, "I can't believe I did that. What was I thinking?" But you know, you're you're moved in the moment because of love or fear the intensity of a conviction so and that's what I loved about all these characters there's so much going on that motivates these people
2: true are there other questions yes Eric what are you doing next
4: Um, uh, I have a project that um, I'd like to shoot over the summer an Arthur Miller play that I adapted called A View from the Bridge
2: how do you adapt Arthur Miller? What you how trying? do you
4: how do you rewrite Arthur Miller? That's the question. <laughs> now, what you do is you take a, you can't shoot a play. Yeah. I mean, it would right. it wouldn't work. Right. So you need to open it up and uh, make it cinematic. But his words are are brilliant, and you know um, you don't change much of of the dialogue. You just you reset scenes in uh, different
2: places, yeah. so it's more cinematic. Stephen, are you working on this also?
5: Yeah, yeah I'm going to be watching a lot of. Um, <clears throat> marilyn monroe movies because uh, <laughs> arthur miller was married it's to the Marilyn Monroe flavor. while he was writing a view from the bridge <laughs> so i figured no muse can really compete with that so capture the torment to come are there other questions yes
4: so the question is uh where did we shoot it and what did i edit it on we shot actually we faked long island we faked a uh, Fake New Jersey for Long Island. good thing. Yeah, right? Well, when you're from Long Island... You, you, I'm from New Jersey. I say it's the same thing. Oh, I yeah. see, yeah. I haven't really been to Jersey except for Newark. and Well, then, uh, well now you know. Well, so, now I know how beautiful it is because I was, I was a little reticent. I said, Jersey? Everybody liked
2: New Jersey, right? I mean...
4: Oh, it was beautiful. Yeah, see? And, uh, yeah, so we shot it in Jersey, faked it for the island, and then um, uh, I, my brother and I edited it on Final Cut Pro, are there other questions? On a Mac computer. Uh, the Mac the Mac Mac Daddy-ist, Yeah, he, Rory saw it, he came over my house. It's like there are two huge that. monitors and a big you the, know, whole, so. the whole movie? The whole
5: entire movie. Very <laughs> a, intuitive too. The program you can you know, we basically just kind of learned it before we were doing it. Yeah. You know, I had some experience with it prior to that and then we just figured it out and then just went and did it.
2: That's amazing.
5: Well it's just <laughs> it's just like rewriting, so you get to have another tool to rewrite the script so was Was there ever another
2: movie within all this that actually didn't come out before you got to what this is now or was all very close to the script
4: oh no I mean it it is you know the most important thing is like Jill said and it's like you know once you can write a movie that's a personal movie and these things really happen so on and so forth but if you tell the actors like well Rory I I didn't say it that way you know that would be bad directing Mm. right so what you need to do is you need to you need to you need, like she was saying uh, they need to make it their own you know yeah. so that's what they did they made it their own and that was the most important thing and um, you know yeah it's different absolutely it's different than the script it's a lot funnier I, I, I really you know I mean I thought it was just my sense of humor and people weren't going to get a lot of the stuff but it's Was there
2: ever a point where you had to become an authority figure where you were just pushed to the edge you Me? had to like lash back at the actors? Never. Remember. Never. Never. Never
4: happened. Not in a million years. Nowhere. A dream set. My crew <laughs> would probably, you know, it's a it's a church and state
2: <laughs> on my set. Are there any other questions? Yes. you you to your family and
4: friends and how do they feel about the that they're going? Yes. Uh, they love it. I've, I've, my you know, uh, my my father loves it. He's, you know, he's seen it probably at, at almost every screening. Um, and uh, he loves it
5: he, he really our father actually when we were kids you know he, he was the one who would come home and and he was working in the city and he, he would introduce us to the theater like people like David Mamet and he would always sort of like tell us like those are great writers and these yeah. are great plays and you should always you know explore this kind of venue of creativity so uh, we came from a family that's appreciative of, of creativity even if it's about them you know they, they just, they're happy that we turned it into something
4: and then our mother was uh when she saw it funny story yeah she
5: she didn't know it was based on her really the,
4: until she heard there's a one line in there where jill says um uh she's fighting with the alec and she says what are you king, F- king farouk all of a sudden you got a couple dollars in your pocket right and my mother used to say that to me when i was a kid all the time you know oh who do you think you are king farouk you can't pick up your plate and take it to the blah blah blah, blah whatever." And uh, she said to me, "Did I really? Did that, was that me?" And I'm like, "Well, yeah." And she's like, "Well, I didn't curse like that." I'm like, "Mom, you did. You curse like that all the time. Believe me." But no, I didn't. You should, and, she, and she tried to talk me into cutting out some of the, the, the fucks and this and that. You know, it, it was actually pretty funny. Yeah. Wish
5: that we, get, a, we have her pray at the end. <laughs> made her really happy. She yeah, she likes you know,
4: it. Yeah, we have a certainly. We gave her her,
2: her nod. I wish Cynthia Nixon and uh, Tim Hutton were here, because they're extraordinary in this movie. They're really good. They play a troubled married couple. Can we see that clip? It's... uh, I think it's five.
5: One day, the doctor tells me it's MS, right? And then the next day... tells me it's... Syphilis. What amazes me, Mick, is that this tiny little bug, no bigger than a pimple on your ass, can change your life. Do you have uh, syphilis? <laughs> it's
2: a great, great cast. Do you have other questions? Anyone here? Yes.
4: Yeah, I mean, we had, well, I had a little more time, I had a little more time with, with you and Rory, right? And then... Yeah,
3: Rory and I and Derek got together a couple times, actually, to, like, go over material and just talk about everything, and um, so that was nice. We didn't, like, jump right into working and shooting. Well, I was
0: just wondering,
3: like, what
4: was the three days of rehearsal pretty short, Yeah, really. For me or for the... For the. For
2: Yeah, did it feel like a lot of was pressure? Or?
1: Well, I felt—I like, guess I came in uh, the latest of anyone, and uh, I had one day, um, <laughs> which was uh, yeah, oh, you beat what a one, um, which was actually a lot of fun. But I'd been also been speaking with Derek on the phone quite a bit, which was great because uh, you know he was sharing his background, I was sharing my background, so we actually got to know each other pretty well by phone, which actually helped immensely. Just to get you know ostensibly <laughs> playing his mom. So it kinda helps to, to know. Do you remember when I you called
4: know? you before, like like the night before we were doing the, 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 the turkey scene?
1: Yes, I do, I do. Yeah, it was so funny. <laughs> it was like the night before I was like yeah. you
4: know, every scene to me was like, you know, I just the agenda was how to make it better on the page. You know, so my mm-hmm. mind was always working on how to how do we make this better? How can I give a note or how can I give an idea or a suggestion to make this better? I remember calling Jill and like the night before we were shooting this scene, I just had this idea, I'm like uh, Jill, uh, I know it's not written this way, but you're going to be drunk in the scene tomorrow. Oh, she was just, great. She just pauses, pauses, pauses. She's like,
1: okay. Yeah, cool. like, that's awesome. I, I think it's a great and idea. And then I have
4: the phone, I'm like, all right, well, I hope I didn't freak her out, but, you No, <laughs> no I, the thing is,
1: I love that, though. I mean, that, yeah. that mm-hmm. kind of stuff is exciting because you're giving me something that I can work with that I think is just going to enhance the scene. If you were coming to me saying, uh, Jill, I think you should be in a, a string bikini uh, for <laughs> the scene, then I might say... Oh, but uh, oh, wait, yeah, exactly well, Emma More probably out would, out would like that <laughs> <laughs> but it was it, that was what was so much fun though, and, and plus again, you you created such a safe environment because we we'd know or gotten to know each other so well, so fast, um, and even in the day of rehearsal, I mean, it was you know round table with myself, Karen, Rory, um, Cynthia, and Timothy, and uh, you know, just just working it out. Uh, it, which I kind of enjoyed doing, yeah. and it was it was fun as hell. There's
2: a there's a kind of sort of a sex scene in the movie, but it's told entirely on the on the actors' faces. It's just extraordinary. Did you feel weird doing that, or it's really great? I mean, it's a um, wonderful scene.
3: I think it's much more. It like looks more awkward on screen than it was to actually shoot. I mean, we didn't shoot it the first day of filming. Yeah. Obviously, we shot it further in, so it wasn't that bad, and it was a closed set. It was. It was, no one was around except for us and Derek. Well, nobody's
2: and, naked or anything. It's just, no,
3: but it, we felt uncomfortable, but it was okay. It was more awkward to watch because, the fir- well, the first time I saw it, the movie, I didn't even watch it because I was sitting next to my mom, so I was like, <laughs> I'm going to get up and leave, and you can watch this. And then the second time, I was sitting in front of all of Rory and Kieran's, like, Brothers, and I just could feel them like looking at me, and I was just sitting there. And uh, yeah, my best friend was with me, and she saw it, and she was like, Make it stop, please. And she couldn't even look. But um, I think it's it's really an important part of the story, and I mean, it's, it, it is painfully awkward to watch, but in a good way, I think.
2: <laughs> I think that's part, of, part of one of the great things about the movies is it captures that awkwardness of being that age really, really well. It's amazing. Thank you. I think a lot of people don't even remember that, <laughs> or
4: they block it out.
2: Yeah. Yeah. For
4: the first time is the worst time. Yeah. Any other questions? Yes. Oh, technically?
5: Oh, What did you play? Oh, guitar, uh, piano, um, mandolin, uh, there was a violin and a, uh, a little toy piano and a, uh, and a harmonium. And um, I bet you play stuff and too, an ectar. Don't let him steal all the What
4: you know? piano?
5: What piano? Um, a Steinway. The harmonium is my
4: favorite. Yeah. <laughs> I had never even heard of it. I'm, I'm, as far as the score goes, I'm, you
2: know. It's a pump it with your foot, right? I'm, I'm yeah, deaf. Like a Nico thing. But yeah,
4: <laughs> yeah. When he came in, when he showed me the stuff with the harmonium, I was like, wow, that's just an amazing sound. I don't know where the hell you got that from. But
2: it's. Any other questions? Yes, sir. You said you shot the movie in 22 days. Yes, sir.
4: Oh, well, that's well, my average shot average list. Average shot list. <clears throat> well, what I would do is... Yeah, what I, would, what I had to do was, because of the time, con, time constraint, which is actually a good thing that I'm going to carry over to my next movie, was I had to do my shot list way in advance. Um, so I would, you know, go through every scene. And I had a shot design in the movie because, again, it was told from an innocent perspective. So there was a whole shot design to the film that, you know, I wanted to... The way I wanted the camera to move or not move in certain scenes and so on and so forth. But what I had to do was list my shots um, way in advance. And I guess on any given day, how many setups were we doing? That's, that's really, a it's such a blur because we were shooting like seven pages a day or eight pages a day, sometimes eight and a half pages a day. Maybe one day was like nine pages. So it's hard to say exactly, like if my AD was here, he'd be able to tell you, Exactly how many setups that we did per day, you know, per every 15 minutes or whatever. But um, that there was a, it was a really uh, informative lesson because I, you know it, it it forced me to be over prepared. Um, gave me so much more time with my actors on set because I knew the sh- the shot list was memorized basically. And then when they would do things that were were didn't fit in my frame, you know, the most important thing is that you need to once you have that shot list down in your mind and you know what you need to get in order to tell the story. Because you have your A shots, which are your meat and potato shots. I need these shots to tell the story. Then you have your vanity shots, which are shots if you're making your day, you're going to get. Like we use a lot of reflection shots in this and so on and so forth, which are more of the, the vanity shots, the stylistic shots. Um, and, uh, you know, if you're making your day, you get those. If you're not making your day, you have to dump those. And uh, we rarely dump them. I think I missed one reflection shot of Jill that I wanted when you are on the roof. The, uh, the car window, I wanted that. Yeah, I just that was like the one time we had to sacrifice a shot. So we made our days every day, and they weren't that long. And uh, you know, it's, it was a, a tremendous sense of accomplishment at the end of every day. You know, we, we actually would shoot, and we would shoot three scenes a day. These guys would go from a scene that was quite funny to a scene that was totally devastating in the same day. And um, you know, at the at five scenes a day, yeah, sometimes five scenes a day. So that's amazing. Um, in New York, it opens April eighth, um, and it's going to be at the Sunshine Theater. And there's one other theater.
2: Next Wednesday, everybody should go. Yeah, see Wednesday
4: it. the eighth. Uh, there's one, one theater uptown, and I forget. Cinemas one, two, three. Thank you. That, that's that's my list.
2: <laughs> Your neighborhood. Yeah. Okay. I think everybody here is pretty crazed with promoting this movie. Please do go see it. It's a remarkable film, and you'll feel really good after you see it. Or, or not. Or you'd be confused. Who knows? But it's a really great film. You'll like it. You'll like it a lot. <laughs> thank you, everybody, for being here. Thank, thank you, you for being
5: Thanks. here. Thanks. Thanks very much.
0: Once again, you've been a great audience. Lime Life releases here in New York City next Wednesday, April 8th. Uh, thank you. We'll see you next time.